0: Well good evening everybody welcome thank you once again for joining me it's just me today um Barry's away um but yeah here we are and um welcome thank you once again for joining us um and uh, just being part of this online family which is what we really are um Many of you will know that uh, Barry and Anne are over in Europe at the moment, and we had a wonderful weekend together last weekend in the Netherlands. And just to show you that it really took place and we were in the same room together, there we are. Um, If the screen had been a little bit lower, um, it would have been very normal. We would have been almost on the screen. But there we are the two of us together in the Netherlands, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful um, weekend. And just at the beginning of the weekend, we realized we we've been friends for 20 years. Um, we've done the webcasts together for 13 years. We've done some online seminars together over the, the last while. But this was actually the first time that we'd ever done a conference or event together. So it was a really, really special um, weekend and we had a great time. And we're really looking forward to this coming weekend. I pick Barry and Ann up again tomorrow. And we've got a weekend in Gloucester starting on Friday evening all day Saturday, and then Barry will be speaking in the church on Sunday, Sunday morning. If you go to our our website, fatherheart.uk, and then uh, on the events tab, uh, you'll see the details of the the conference in Gloucester. There are still just a few spaces available. Um, So if you're interested, um, then then please feel free to um, have a look at the website. But you do need to sign up and register so we know how many people are coming um, in order to fit into the hotel room. But there we are. And I guess uh, as this weekend goes ahead, we'll have a few more uh, photographs of the two of us together. Um, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, we're in Gloucester. And then on Sunday evening, we go up to Bridge North to be with Mike and Sue, Norman and Johanna, and the, the the team up there, and uh, we've we got a Sunday evening uh, meeting in Bridge North Baptist Church. Um, I guess there might be a bit of space there if you're interested. Come along, we'd love to see you. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of fun um, to to be together, and we had a really good weekend. We've already had a number of emails and texts from people just saying how much Father did with um With them, so that was very very um exciting and we were really delighted to to be able to do that um, so yeah it 's just me uh this evening and uh, i'll it'll also be just me next week so i 'm doing a two part series looking at the two trees from from genesis uh, we 're going to look at the tree of knowledge and good of of good and evil this evening and then next week we'll look at the more exciting and better news uh of the tree of life so part one tonight part two um next wednesday so um yeah i'll i'll make a start um it's quite a lot to get through actually in in one evening but hope to be able to do that um But I'd just like to pray before I start that the Father would open the eyes of our heart to really see and understand this with our heart. So, Father, thank you for the opportunity once again of being together. And, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us this evening. You would show us new things. uh, But you would just cause the eyes of our heart to be opened, to really see afresh, Um, the impact of this tree, and how we can avoid it. So Father, thank you, and we bless you, we give you thanks, amen. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I guess we're all familiar with the story of, of Genesis 1, chapters 1, 2, and 3, but I want to look at them in a little bit of detail to help us gain fresh understanding. But you know, I just want to start with a very well known verse from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And where Paul writes that before the creation of the world, we were predestined to receive the full rights of sonship. See, that's always God's plan. God's plan has always been to have a family, He's always wanted. Sons and daughters. You know, he's always wanted his people to have a relationship with him, not to be servants, not to live their life according to a formula, but to be sons and daughters. And that's, that's the only plan he's got. You know, that's, that was the plan before the creation of the world, that we were predestined to receive the full rights of sonship. That's our inheritance. And, you know, when we look through the scriptures, it's very easy to see the rebellion and the independence and the pride of his people. And you can almost imagine him getting very frustrated with them. And I'm sure he did at times, but, you know, and you can almost imagine him thinking, well, let me come up with a better plan. Let me come up with plan B or C or D or whatever. But he didn't do that. He stuck with his plan A because he wanted a family. And he wanted a family that would bring him pleasure. You know, Colossians chapter one, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him see the point in that verse is not only did he create everything but he created everything for himself you know this is what he wanted and when he says all things were created he's including us you know sometimes we kind of it's easy for us to forget that but that's that's his heart is including us we were created for him Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 and and this is this is my paraphrase You, you created everything because you wanted it to exist you know and everything was created for him. Isaiah chapter 43 the first seven verses it it talks about the rebellion and the independence of God's children but Even in that passage when they're rebelling and being independent, he's wanting, he's longing to draw them back. And he's calling them back to him. He's calling his sons and daughters from the ends of the earth back to himself. And it ends up in verse 7 of Isaiah 43, where it says, For you created all things, they were made for your glory. You know, we were created to bring him glory. Saint Augustine said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. See, God always wanted a family. He's a father and he wanted a family that he could delight in, that he could love, that he could cherish. He made us as his sons and daughters. In the image of his son, Jesus, you know, he wanted us to be like Jesus. Hebrews says that Jesus is the firstborn of many and we are the many. And so, you know, I kind of imagine the father looking across heaven and thinking, you know, what will my sons and daughters be like? And he sees his son, Jesus He's ah, I'll make them to be like him. You know, Romans eight verses 28 and 29 we were predestined to the likeness of his son you know he made us to be like Jesus so that we could share that same inheritance and have the same intimate relationship with the father that Jesus has. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says we with unveiled faces Behold the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. See, he wanted sons and daughters that would look and behave and live like his son, Jesus. That's what we're called to. We're called to walk as Jesus walked, to live in that beautiful relationship with the father. And I believe he wanted us to enjoy the same relationship that the Trinity enjoys together. John 17 verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also, who you have given me, may be with me where I am. See, he's inviting us into that relationship so that we can enjoy the same relationship that the Father the son and the spirit have together. See that's in a nutshell and we could expand it a lot more but you know in in a nutshell that's plan a. That's God's heart. That's his desire for all of us and it's never changed. You know we're going to look at in in a few moments that the first few chapters of Genesis. And at the end of chapter 3 when it's all gone so badly wrong You know God doesn't panic and decide oh I need a new plan but he sticks with his plan A and he does everything and he has done everything to bring that plan into being so that we can be beneficiaries of that plan and enter into the relationship with him that he so longs for and desires. See God's a good father He wants a family. He wants sons and daughters. He doesn't want to um, treat us, you know, in, in a harsh and domineering way. But he wants to draw us into relationships so that we can see and understand his heart. You know, the very first thing that God the Father did in Genesis when he'd created Man out of the dust of the earth when he breathed his life you know the breath of life into that pile of dust and the man became alive a living being you know the very first thing that God the Father did Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 and God blessed them they hadn't done anything they just been brought to life and god the father blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth know, adam didn't know what work was at that point because he just literally had the breath of life breathed into him. He opens his eyes, he looks into the perfect eyes of the Father, sees and experiences perfect love, and the very next thing is the Father blessed them. You know, before anything, they were blessed, we were blessed, and that's plan A, you know, to be drawn into relationship with the Trinity, to find a home with them, to have a blessed life. And then, of course, we read that that's the end of the sixth day. And on the seventh day, God rested. And I believe Adam and his wife also rested on that day. They hadn't done any work at that point in time. Work before the fall was a good thing. You know, they were set to work in the garden. They were set to work to look after. It wasn't a, it wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't a bad thing. It was part of their blessing as, as children of the father to work in the family business. And God, the father, having created his first human son and daughter, He took an incredible risk because he wanted a relationship and a relationship is two way. And a relationship involves choice. You know, it's not forced, it's not manipulated, it's not controlled. Any relationship of love has to have a choice. And of course, if there's a choice, there's a choice to do one thing And a choice to do something different. And God the Father took this huge risk by giving mankind a choice. Because what he wanted was, he wanted, and he still wants, this is still his heart for us. He wants us to respond to him out of our heart so that we freely give our lives to him. That we freely choose to walk in his ways. He doesn't want to manipulate or coerce or control us, but he invites us into this relationship. And so it's a choice that he gives us. He empowers us with a choice. And of course, he he hoped (laughs) that we would make the right decision. But whenever you have a choice, you have the option to make the wrong decision as well. And this choice that God the Father gave mankind centers uh, around two trees. And we're gonna look at these, as I said, we're gonna look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil today. And next week, we're gonna have a look at the tree of life. But this, this choice centered around these two trees. And we read a little bit about it in, in Genesis chapter two. Um, Verses seven to nine, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the, the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, and good for food and in the middle of the garden there were these two trees in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so we got these two trees and then in in verse 15 of of chapter 2 the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For, for when you do, when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And there's a choice. There's all these beautiful trees in the garden. They look good, they're pleasing for food. But there's these two special trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord says, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you do, there's a consequence, you will die. See, at that point, there's absolute unity between us and our father, our creator. We've got his breath in us, the breath of life. But he gives them this choice. He says, there's only one thing I don't want you to do. And it's this particular tree I don't want you to, to eat from it. And it's a very simple very straightforward instruction. And we know that it was slightly changed. The, 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 when Satan tempted the woman at the beginning of chapter three, he, he, it says very first verse, he was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he starts to sow a lie he starts to be very deceptive, but he starts off very subtly. And the first thing he says to the woman is, is, um, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? You see, that's so ridiculous. It's so far removed from what the Lord had said that it's very, very easy for the woman to say, no, 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 no. that's wrong. He didn't say that. You see. God the Father said you can eat from any tree in the garden apart from that one tree. The serpent comes along and said, but did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees? You know, it's, it's the beginning of a subtle deception. And that's how the enemy lies to us. He lies to us little by little, bit by bit very subtly so the first lie is so ridiculous we would never fall for it but then he gradually goes on and on and on until we're caught in a trap and that's what he does with the woman here you know oh god did god really say you can't eat from any tree and the woman said no 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 that's not right we can eat from the trees in the garden but god said we can't eat from the one in the middle of the garden And she said, you mustn't touch it or you'll die. Well, actually, he didn't say anything about touching it. He said eating it. You see, she's she's not quite got it right here because she's not specific. You know, she says, no, 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 we can eat from the trees, but not the one in the middle. But she doesn't specify which one in the middle. There's one tree in the middle they could eat from, which was the tree of life. Obviously, they didn't eat from that. And there's another one that they couldn't eat from, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the story that was very, very clear when the Lord spoke to Adam has now become very blurred and not clear at all. And that's exactly what the enemy is good at doing. You know, he takes something that is clear and he muddies the water Because that's how his deception works. And then, you know, the serpent goes on, Satan goes on a little bit. He says, No, 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 you won't die. You know, for God knows that when you eat it, eat from that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like him. You will know good from evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. Now, she sees this tree like all the other trees in the garden. It's good for food and it's pleasing to the eye. And that's you know, that's what God the Father did. He made all these trees look beautiful and she sees its beauty and she's sort of drawn into it. It's part of the deception again. It looks good and she can see that if she eats of this tree, she understands that she will get wisdom. You know, Satan's told her that if she eats of this tree, she will know good from evil. So, this is now becoming very attractive. You know, when, when God the Father gave his instructions, it was very clear. No, avoid it. But now Satan's lie, his series of lies, his deception, which is so subtle, now makes this tree look attractive. So she takes some fruit. She gives some to her husband who was with it. And when they both had eaten, the eyes Their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They're caught in the trap. They've eaten from that tree. And they've suddenly realized that it's not anywhere near as good as Satan made it out to be. See, before they ate from that tree, they were naked and unashamed. There was nothing wrong between them. There was nothing wrong between them and the father. They were completely content being open and vulnerable together. They didn't mind their nakedness. But now suddenly something's come between them. Something's come between them and their father. And they suddenly realize they're vulnerable and they don't like it. And so they cover themselves with fig leaves. See, Satan said to them, you won't die. You know, if you eat that fruit, you won't die. And we know that when they had the conversation with the father in Genesis chapter three, later on in that chapter, that death entered the human race, not as a punishment, but as, as an act of grace and mercy to prevent them living in a fallen state forever because they could still have eaten the tree of life. And if they had have eaten the tree of life, they would have lived forever in a broken, fallen state. And the father said, that's too much. That's too much to bear. So yeah, sure, death entered the human race. So Satan was wrong, but something else died. And what died was their relationship together and their relationship with the father. You see, Satan said, you won't die, but actually they did. See, his lie is complete now. Satan also said that they would be like God, knowing good from evil. Well, what they did by eating that fruit was actually to enter into the fallen, orphan-hearted state of Satan. They didn't need to eat fruit to be like God. They already were. They were made in his image. They were made to be like him. And they lost that because they stepped into the fallen, orphan-hearted ways. And they have this discussion with the father. And he has to send them out of the garden. Not as an act of judgment, but as an act of mercy. So they wouldn't eat the tree of life and live forever. Now I just want to make one small point here about these two trees. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know where does knowledge reside? Knowledge resides in the mind. You know it's it's understanding it's learning it's intellect and you know this 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 tree of the knowledge of good and evil is is all about gaining intellectual wisdom which actually turned out not to be wisdom at all, but to be the corrupted wisdom of Satan. See, we read that in Ezekiel 28, that Satan started off as a beautiful created being, but then then corruption was found in his heart and evil was found and his wisdom, his perfect wisdom became corrupted. And it's that corrupted wisdom that he sowed into the hearts of Adam and his wife. So it's that corrupted wisdom that became their basis for understanding good and evil. It was not the perfect wisdom of the father who can understand and interpret good and evil correctly. But he he sowed Satan sowed corrupted wisdom into the heart of mankind. See, it's all about knowledge. It's all about intellect, but it's corrupted because it's put there by Satan. The other tree is the tree of life. It is not the tree of the knowledge of life. And I think that's a really important distinction. It's the tree of life. And that means it's an experience. It's something actually that resides in our heart, as we will see next week. See, one tree was knowledge, intellectual um, ability, intellectual um, understanding. But the other one, the tree of life, is the experience of life itself. And we'll see next week how that can be redeemed and restored to our hearts see the consequence for adam and his wife of eating the fruit was that their eyes were opened now obviously it's not their natural eyes you know they could see clearly what they were doing they you know their physical eyes could see but we have to ask ourselves what eyes were opened and it has to be the eyes of the mind Because knowledge of good and evil, knowledge, the intellect, the mind, you see, it's the eyes of the mind that were opened and they started to be the governing um, force in humanity. And still, sadly, that's the case today. See, Paul talks about the eyes of the mind. He talks about the eyes of the heart in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, I just want to read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. I tell you this, Paul says, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you should no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, there it is, the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardening of their hearts having lost all sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity see that's what began to happen in the garden when the corrupted wisdom of satan was sown into humanity people not just the gentiles but humanity people in general have started to live from the futility of their thinking and so we have a darkened understanding we end up separated from the life of god because of the hardness of our hearts you see that's what i believe is being referred to in Genesis when their eyes were opened. It was the beginning of this journey, the futility of thinking, the hard hearts that Paul very clearly writes about. And the eyes of the mind became dominant and the eyes of our heart conversely began to shut down. And Paul talks about that as well in Ephesians chapter 1. He prays that the eyes of our heart would be opened. That we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to get to know God better. That the eyes of our heart would be opened or enlightened. Have spiritual understanding to know the hope of our calling. You see what Paul is doing in Ephesians is saying, look, hey guys, you've lived like this. You've lived with the futility of your thinking. You've lived with your clouded understanding. You've lived out of your intellect. And look what it's done for you. It's created hard hearts. You know, that's a useless way of life. That's not God's plan. That's not what the Father intended. What the Father intended, and this is my prayer, says Paul, is that the eyes of your heart would be opened to know the hope of your call. And that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, not corrupted wisdom, but wisdom from heaven that would enable you to see who God really is. That is your father. See, the eyes of the mind were opened and we stepped into an orphan hearted way of life. And so, these two trees, one tree is all about being an orphan. And that's the one most of us spend a lot of our time in. (laughs) And the other one, the tree of life, is all about sonship, which is next week. So come back next week for the exciting bit of the story. But we've, we've swallowed the fruit of the tree, knowledge of good and evil because satan sowed us sowed into us the orphan heart and i want to look a little bit about what this tree is really like because it's not good it's not a lot of fun it's not the way the father wanted us to live you see the eyes of the mind enabled us to see good and evil it was something that adam and his wife had been protected from in the past but now they can see it but they're seeing it from the corrupted fallen viewpoint of satan they're not seeing good and evil as the father sees it through the eyes of perfect understanding through the eyes of love through the eyes of perfect wisdom, but they see it through the fallen state of Satan. And it's corrupted, it's poisoned. The only thing they understood before eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the only thing they understood was love, because they lived in love. And suddenly they lost that. So that the father stopped loving them? Of course he didn't. The father carried on loving them. We see that throughout the whole of scriptures that the father loved them. His love never changed. In Jeremiah it says, I am loving you with an everlasting love. See, his love for us never changed. What changed was our ability to receive love. Because an orphan finds it really hard to receive love. And we lost the ability to walk as Jesus walked. And that was restored to us through Jesus coming. But you see, the father's plan was that we would be sons and daughters like Jesus was a son. But when that orphan spirit, that orphan heart came upon us, we We lost that and we ended up walking in the ways of Satan, the orphan-hearted ways of Satan. If you read in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, what you you read there are five statements that Satan made. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are, are prophetic passages, but they describe the, the fall of Satan when he was chucked out of heaven. And in um, Isaiah, it, it's got five statements that Satan made. And they all begin with two words. I will. And that to me, those two words are the essence of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I will see the very last statement that Satan says is I will make myself like the most high and I really believe that he wanted God's position for himself you know he saw the father he saw what he was like and he wanted to be like him he not only wanted to be like him but he wanted to be him he wanted to be a father and Satan became a father. He became the father of lies. And the lie that is sown into our hearts that we are still affected by are those two words, I will. And there's something inside of us that says, I will. I will do it myself. I will become a good Christian. I will live a good life. I will not do evil. I will do good. And we get caught up with this cycle of I will, I will, I will, I will. Because that's the heart of the deceiver that is sown into us. You see, the heart of the deceiver is I will. But the heart of the father is I've done it all. See, I, The father says I've done it all for you. You know, he has done it all. But yet inside of each one of us is this thing that says, I must, I will, you know, I'm... And it's a hard way of life because we're controlled by this orphan-hearted spirit of corrupted wisdom. See, Isaiah chapter thirty. Verse 21 It says, When we dwell in Zion, we have a teacher who we can see and hear, and he shows us the way to walk. He says, This is the way, walk in it. And as we'll see next week, this teacher, Jesus, is showing us the pathway, the pathway of life, and says, This is the way to walk, walk in it. But yet, the deceiver has shut, sold us a lie that says, This is the pathway to walk of striving and performance and religious duty that says, I will. See, that's the heart. That's the essence of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we live according to that tree, we choose the path to walk rather than walking in the pathway of life. Just like Adam, we become aware of our nakedness and our vulnerability. We feel ashamed. You see, the lie of Satan starts off by saying, you have done something wrong. It's an action. It's external. We've done something wrong. That's how the lie of Satan starts. But the lie of Satan always ends up, not you have done something wrong, but you are wrong and that lie about an action becomes a belief inside of us that we believe we are wrong not just that we've done something wrong but we are wrong and we don't like it so we cover ourselves with fig leaves jobs family fashion food hobbies alcohol drugs wrong relationships We grab all of these things to try and make ourselves look good. And all we're doing is covering ourselves with fig leaves. And let me tell you, fig leaves are high maintenance. They crumble after a day. You've got to get new ones. You know, you've got to keep maintaining your fig leaves. They're high maintenance. (laughs) And when we live like that, we don't like how we are. So like Adam and his wife, we go and hide. See, we've never lost the ability to recognise or feel the presence of the Father. You know, there's always something in every human heart that can recognise. Because we're all made in his image. But yet, we're so full of shame, so full of fear, that we hide. And the Father comes and he says, Adam, where are you? And he says the same to us, Mark, where are you? Because he wants us to come out of hiding and come to him. But you see, when we live up this tree of knowledge of good and evil, we think it's about what we have to do. The I will that drives the human heart. And so we've created a religion of self-effort. Trying to make ourselves right with God. It's fig leaves. It's high maintenance. And it doesn't work. See, when you live like that, how do you know when you've done enough? How can you possibly know when you've done enough? You see, the lie of Satan says you've not done enough. You've got to do more. And so, of course, we then fail and we fail again. And then we believe that we're failures. See, those lies become internalized and become our belief system. See, this tree keeps us separate and apart from the Father's plan, which we talked about at the beginning. This tree doesn't enable us to live in the fulfillment of the Father's plan for us because it's all about us of what i've got to do or what i've not got to do and it becomes about striving to do good striving even harder not to do evil instead of receiving the life that the father wants to give us see we have swapped discernment for judgment And we have swapped wisdom for knowledge. So we settle, we become comfortable knowing about God or referring to God rather than actually knowing who he is. We settle to know about him rather than knowing who he is. And so we try to imitate what Jesus did rather than imitating who he was. And that's become the driving force of humanity. Wisdom, true wisdom, uncorrupted wisdom, seeks answers through relationship corrupted wisdom seeks answers through independence and pride which leads to self-righteousness self-righteousness see in ezekiel 28 satan's heart became proud he became proud of his beauty he became the focus of himself his focus was himself and Adam and, his, and, and Eve, they ate from that corrupted wisdom. And so our focus became ourself instead of our focus being on him, our loving father. See, the nature of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil makes me look good. And if I have to make myself look good, I have to put push everybody else down so they don't look as good as me. The fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is incredibly self-centered. It's I will, I will become, I will have, I will do. It's all about me. See, that's that's what happened to Satan. His heart became proud, his focus became himself and that me-centered life was sown into us. And so in doing so, in making ourselves look good, we misrepresent who God really is. And we end up living in a kingdom of fear rather than a kingdom of love. Instead of righteousness, we end up with self-righteousness. And we believe that we have to solve the problems of life through our own effort because we're living according to this corrupted wisdom see the intention was that life would flow down from heaven through the tree of life to sons and daughters but instead orphans are trying to do everything they can to climb that tree to get close to God we do it by doing good 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 and we do it by not doing evil and it's jolly hard work it's it's high maintenance it's that life of fig leaves and we end up with more knowledge than we can handle and we see this in so many areas of life not just our walk with the lord not just our church life but political life education life everything is motivated by this tree and it's affected everything and you know we 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 read in first corinthians 8 verse 1 that knowledge puffs up What does that do? Knowledge makes me look good. Whereas love builds others up. See, we understand with our head instead of understanding with our heart. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. That's Proverbs 14 verse 12. And that's the ultimate consequence of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is satan wants to prevent us having a relationship with the father instead of seeing and living from seeing with the eyes of our heart and living from our heart we end up living like the gentiles that paul describes in ephesians chapter 4 the futility of their thinking darkened understanding Separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is caused by the hardening of the hearts see when we come back to the eyes of our heart being opened it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and it's true wisdom it's true revelation it's not corrupted in any way and when we when we, when that spirit of wisdom and revelation, Ephesians chapter 1, 16 to 18, when that spirit of wisdom and revelation comes into us, we get to know him better. And when we get to know him better, we understand who we really are. We understand that we're sons and daughters, that we're not servants, or we're not orphans. That we don't have to live from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but we can live from the tree of life. See, when we live from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we are consumed with trying to do good. And we try even harder not to do evil. What must I do? What should I not do? And we end up living by the law of right and wrong. And the motivation to be put right with the Trinity that we talked about right at the beginning, John 17, verse 24. Our motivation to enjoy that life comes comes out of our own effort. It's like, what have I got to do to make it right? And we climb this tree in the hope that if we do enough good and we don't do enough evil, then we'll be put right with the Trinity. And it's jolly hard work and it never works because it's not the way it was meant to be. It's not the father's plan. It's not the plan that we stepped out of. We stepped out of his plan and we've created our own plan, which is called the futility of thinking, darkened understanding, hardened hearts. And we don't have to live like that. You see, this is so subtle. When I described the lie that Satan told Adam and his wife in Genesis chapter 3, it started off subtly. Did God really say? And that's what he does to us. You know, he knows if he tells us an outright blatant lie, we'd probably recognise it and we'd hopefully run a mile from it. <laughs> but he starts off with the subtleties. And the deception is almost It's almost attractive and it draws us in. James Jordan often says that for a trap to work, it has to be attractive. You know, if it was obvious and we could see it was a trap, we wouldn't step into it. But a trap always draws you in and then you realize it too late when you're caught. And that's the lies of the enemy. He makes this tree look good. You know, he wants us to believe that religion in its basic form is a good thing because that will put us right with God. But it won't. It leads to striving performance and actually when we swallow the lie of the enemy, it keeps us away from the very thing we're trying to get to. There is something inside of us that wants to be connected to the father because we're made in his image. That longing is still, there. I believe that longing is in every human heart we want to be connected and we don't know how so we end up climbing the wrong tree but there's a better way and that's what we're going to look at next week when we look at the tree of life the downward flow of life from heaven where we get a revelation of who he is and that revelation will lead to us having more revelation of who he is see as we live in love We come away from living out of our minds and we're drawn back into living from our hearts. We discover the path of freedom. That's what Jesus said. If you know the sun, the sun will set you free. See, when we live in the downward flow of life from heaven, We live in freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The tree of knowledge of good and evil has led us into judgment. And there is so much judgment in the world. You know, we all have our own opinions of what is white and what is wrong, and how on earth do we know? You know, we judge our brothers, we judge our sisters, we criticize, we condemn. We put ourselves on the pedestal and pull them off theirs. It's going back to that I will, I am, I have. See, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is all about judgment. What is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong? The tree of life leads us into relationship and shows us the higher law of love. The fruit of the spirit is above the law. When we live from the tree of life, instead of judgment, we seek mercy for other people. We want mercy shown to us but so often we judge other people but when we live from the tree of life we want mercy for them as well sonship is the downward flow of life from heaven where everything has been done for us and we're going to talk more about that next week Let me just pray as we finish. Thank you, father. Thank you father. Yeah, Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love. See what kind of love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called sons and daughters for that is who we are Father I just simply want to pray that we would not fall into the trap of condemning ourselves or judging ourselves because in Christ there is no condemnation for the law of the spirit of life has set us free and maybe if we've recognised the state of our own heart how we live from the tree of knowledge of good and evil motivated by I will the corrupted wisdom the fallen wisdom of Satan Father maybe if we've seen something of that in our own hearts I pray that, that seeing that would be the beginning of a transformation where the eyes of our heart are opened where we receive that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better to come back into the plan that you have for us Plan A where we bring you pleasure as sons and daughters where we live or walk like Jesus lived or walked where we enjoy the beautiful relationship of the Trinity so Father I just simply pray that everything that's been said tonight will be the doorway to life rather than a doorway to us feeling condemned Father set us free from that and bring us into the pathway of life in Jesus name Amen Come and join me next Wednesday and we'll look at the other tree which is slightly better news and uh, a more enjoyable story So I look forward to seeing you next wednesday i hope that many of that barry and i will see many of you over the weekend in gloucester or bridge North. Uh, really looking forward to both of those events but bless you thank you for joining me and have a good rest of the week